Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. Parents who train their kids by modeling behavior, consistency is a big word. It is. I think that's probably the weakest link in parenting is that we're not consistent. And the child is confused because yesterday I did this and nothing happened. Today I do this and I get a whack. Well, we've all heard about dysfunctional families. I mean, their struggles are the topic of television and tabloids. And for many of us, we live in dysfunctional families. Well, sometimes it seems like there are so many dysfunctional families in the world that you might wonder if there are any functional families to be found. Well, there are no perfect families, but there are families that can become more functional. Well, I'm convinced that you can create the kind of family where traits like service and love and leadership, teaching and even obedience are more the norm. And during the next half hour here on Homeward, I'll continue my discussion on how you can start incorporating these traits into your family as well. Dr. Gary Chapman is with me for this continuing conversation on creating the family you've always wanted. So stay with us for this very encouraging and very powerful discussion right here on Homework. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. If you heard the last edition of the Homeward broadcast, you know you're in for a treat. If you weren't able to tune in, I want to encourage you to go to homeward.com and flip through the archives and find part one of the conversation that you're about to hear. It's part two of Dr. Jim Burns' discussion with Dr. Gary Chapman on the theme of creating the family you've always wanted. Yes, it is possible. Remember, Homeward is on the air and online because of your prayers and faithful financial support. Thanks so much for including a tax-deductible donation in support of our ministry through our secure website at homeword.com. And now here's Jim. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns, a continuing conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman, creating the family you've always wanted. I say this every time I have him on the air. He's my favorite person to talk to about uh, marriage and family issues, and I just appreciate so much all that he's done. Internationally respected marriage and family expert, more than 35 years of counseling experience, continues to do that as he travels the world with seminars and uh, and actually at his home in North Carolina. Author of numerous books, including the New York Times bestseller, Five Love Languages. Today, we're talking about a brand new book, The Family You've Always Wanted, Five Ways You Can Make It Happen. You know, It was that great theologian, Vince Lombardi, of the Green Bay Packers, who said, when you stray away from the basics, you go a long ways toward defeat. And a lot of times in family, we stray away from the basics. And today we're talking about some of those basics. It's a continuing conversation. Gary, welcome to our program. Great to have Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Parents who, who train their kids by modeling behavior, we can learn from both good and the not so good examples. I mean, consistency is a big word for you, isn't it? It is. I think that's probably the weakest link in parenting is that we're not consistent, that we operate often on our own feelings. And consequently, if we're having a good day, a child can disobey a rule and we just kind of overlook it. But if we're having a bad day, they can do just a little infraction and we come down super hard on them because of our state of mind. And the child is confused because yesterday I did this and nothing happened. Today I do this and I get a whack, you know. Well, you know, I think that it's amazing is it's with little children, it's also with teenagers and anybody else. And sometimes I want to be liked by my kids. And so I'll find myself allowing them to get by with something 
because I want them to like me and I know that they're going to be bugged at me if I really hold them to it. And in some ways, as a parent, we have to be able to be more consistent even in our own uh, way of disciplining. I think that's exactly right, Jim. I think a lot of us want to be friends with our children, and we have that emphasis. Let's, let me be a friend of this child. Well, the parent, I mean, it's fine. You'd be a friend, but they need a parent. Right. They, and, and typically, Jim, parents are older than children, typically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and consequently. Don't always act that way. With the advanced stage, we hope we have advanced maturity. Right. And God designed it that parents would teach and train children. Uh, not the other way around. Right. I'm amazed at how many three-year-olds run households. It is, it is amazing <laughs> to me to hear that same thing as, as I talk with people as well. You know, you say obedience matters. Discipline is an important part, obviously, of being an effective parent. But you prefer the term creative correction. And I know that deals with, you know, not throwing out tongue lashings and things we're yeah. talking about. But help me understand what creative correction means. I think it's trying to look for ways when you, that you correct the child that will lead them in a positive direction. You see, some, some parents do the same thing all the time. That is, their correction is the same thing. There are parents, for example, who spank the kid. That's all they ever do. Whatever the kid does, it's a spanking. There are others who it's the time out. No matter yeah. what the infraction, it's time out. Uh, and what I'm saying is if we're, if we're creative, we try to tie the discipline in with the crime. Right, right, right. <laughs> so if, for example, uh, they have been hitting somebody, they're beating up on another kid, then maybe a spanking is appropriate. You know, so let, let me, honey, just let me show you how this feels, honey. This is not a very good thing when you hit people. Now, now just feel this, you know. Uh, but but if, they, if they've been uh, uh, stealing something, then the spanking is not necessarily the best thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there you want to say, honey, you know, it's, it, it feels awful when you take something that doesn't belong to you for the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just illustrate it for you. You know, I gave you that uh, the, the football. Well, now... I'm going to take it away from you for a week, and I, I just want you to see how it feels when you want to go play ball and you don't have the ball. So you're not stealing from them, but you're giving a little feel for what it's like when you steal something from someone. So if we're creative, if we just think, we can tie the discipline in with the infraction, and the kid gets the message. Whereas if you just do the same thing all the time in discipline, the kid just knows, well, it's going to be a spanking, you know, <laughs> but they don't make the connection always. And, and consequently, it's not effective. No, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we've got to find time to have discussion with our kids, talk with them. Not yeah, just, and many times, you know, what we do with the kids is we say, how'd your day go? Right. You know, what'd you do at school? Mm-hmm. And, and if they're teenagers, they say nothing, <laughs> which may well be true. <laughs> but, oh, but, you know, what I say to, to parents is if, if your kid brings some art, don't just say, well, honey, that's real pretty. That's real nice. I like the colors. You say, what were you thinking about when you right. drew this piece? Right. And they say, you know, I was thinking about this summer when we went to grandmother's house. And yeah. so here they go and telling you all the thoughts that are in their mind. Right. But if you hadn't asked the question, you would never have known what yeah. was in their mind. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I talk to so many people who are now older who say, I wish I had a closer relationship with my parents. I wish my dad and I could have talked more. I remember this time we went fishing or I remember this time that my mom took me you know, on this trip or whatever yeah. it was. And it's something that they long for. Today's kids are comparing, Gary, themselves to so many uh, of the models and the superstars on TV. And I want you to talk about why not only is discipline important, but why that makes affirmation to our children even more essential, especially affirmation from mom and dad. Yeah, I think verbal affirmation of children is extremely important. At the same time, I don't think we just should praise them all the time because it gets to be flattery. And uh, But I do think that we need to look for things about our children that we can praise them. I remember a young gal who said to me, 
she said, you know, obviously you look at me, I'm redheaded. You know, I've always had red hair, brilliant red hair. And she said, my mother told me as long as I can remember, she'd be combing my hair and she'd say, honey, you have got the most beautiful hair. And she said, I grew up just feeling wonderful about my hair. And said, I didn't realize until years later that there are not many redheads around, (laughs) you know. And and I've heard other children who who have said, you know, I just always felt badly. I felt like I was an outsider. My hair was a different color from everybody, you know. But because her mother affirmed that characteristic about her, she embraced it, which is what all of us should do about our physical, you know, is embrace who we are. If you're tall, you're tall, you know. If you're short, you're short. So embrace that. And parents' uh, verbal affirmation can help children embrace who they are because we're all different and God made us different on purpose. You know, it's interesting you say that because my mom and dad were good at discipline. And of course I was the star child. So of course yes. they didn't have to discipline <laughs> me much, but you know, they were good at discipline. But what I remember maybe most, it's the affirmation from my dad. And it might be about ball playing. It had nothing to do with, uh, you know, d- even some of the character issues that would be yes. you know important too. But, you know, I can remember my dad coming up to me after a game that wasn't very good. And he said, well, you know what? You could do better. But, uh, you know, could, the game, it could have been a better game. But, you know, you'd pitched a, a marvelous game here or there or those kinds yeah. of things. What that did to my spirit, it gave me such strength. And it also brought a closeness, yeah. uh, you know, to dad. Now, you and Carolyn were relatively young in the parenting season. You had uh, a situation when your son was 10 years old that kind of reminds us of why kids need limits. It's what I'll call the bike incident. He left his bike out. Okay. What'd you do? Well, what we did, the plan was that if you leave your bike outside, then you lose the bike for a day. You can't ride it the next day. And uh, so he came in the next day. I went out that morning and found the bike, you know, out there with all the dew on it. And, and so I reminded him what the, what the deal was. And it was okay that morning. But that afternoon when he got off from school, he wanted to go riding. And I said, son, remember, it has to stay in the shed today because you left it out last night. Oh, Dad, all the kids in the neighborhood, we're all going to ride today. I said, well, son, I'm sorry. He said, Dad, let me ride today and put it in the shed tomorrow. <laughs> I said, son, that wasn't the rule. You know, the rule is if you leave it out, you don't write it the next day. It was a hard lesson for him, but he learned it. And after that, he put that bike in the shed every night because who knows, tomorrow the kids may want to ride. Exactly. By the way, good negotiator on his part. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But, but a great <laughs> lesson for us because sometimes we'll say, okay, well, you can be with your friends, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, and then you can't have it tomorrow. And then we just sort of forget about it. My mom actually did that. I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the air, but I actually got in an accident the first day I got my driver's license, oh. ran into the back of uh, somebody. And then I was late to put on this. So I, my car was, I, I couldn't now drive for the next month. I think she gave yeah. me, but then she needed butter at the store and then she needed this and that. And eventually it just sort of came along and you know, yeah. it's not the end of the world. But the fact was, is that she, she probably should have said, look at you know, if you're going to do that, you, you got to you can't drive. She liked the idea because now I was helping her. Right. But yeah. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I think I've still made it okay. And there's, we have to make sure that we have a lot of grace with ourselves because sometimes we do. Every one of us have, has done the bike incident the oh, yes. wrong way as well. Well, that's great input. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about healthy rules and, well, not so healthy ones. We'll be right back. Dr. Gary Chapman with us, Creating the Family You've Always Wanted. His book is called The Family You've Always Wanted, Five Ways You Can Make It Happen and You Can Make It Happen. 
it's not rocket science. You just got to be consistent and intentional about it. Roger? Well, one of the places, Jim, that we find consistency and intentionality is with the people who listen to the Homeward Broadcast. And we're so grateful for those of you who tune in each and every day, whether you're listening on the radio or if you're dialing us up at homeward.com and listening to our audio stream or podcasting along with us. That day in and day out relationship uh, definitely hopefully helps you become the kind of parent that your kids need, become the kind of spouse that your spouse needs. But also it, it helps build relationship with us. And we appreciate the feedback that we get, the, the emails that we get from listeners and uh, the letters and the, uh, the occasional phone call too. If there's something you would like to share with us about how the Homeward program has helped you or possibly even some constructive criticism, you can write to contact us at homeward.com or Roger, R-O-G-E-R at homeward.com. We'd love to get your feedback. Go online too. You can handle all that through our website at homeward.com. And also remember your prayers and faithful financial support. So very important to continuing the ministry of Homeward. And now with the conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward broadcast, here once again is Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Great conversation today. Great conversation today. Gary Chapman with us, Creating the Family You've Always Wanted. Uh, again, as Roger was just talking about, he's written a great book called The Family You've Always Wanted, Five Ways You Can Make It Happen. He's also the New York Times best-selling author of the book, The Five Love Languages. It's, by the way, a classic and incredible book and, and a classic if you haven't read that book as well. Today we're talking about family. Gary, right before the break, I mentioned that you say there are healthy rules and there are unhealthy rules. I mean, talk about the difference between those two and how families can evaluate if their rules are, are actually healthy or not. Well, I, I make the point that all of life has rules and every family has rules. Some families, however, have not delineated the rules very well. If you ask the children, they wouldn't know what the rules are. So consequently, the parent has these rules in their head and they come down hard on the kids when they violate, and the kids want to know what happened. I mean, why is that wrong? You know, they didn't even know it was a rule. Uh, so one of the things I suggest is that parents make rules. If the children are old enough, you can let them help you make the rules. But the rules should be meaningful. Uh, like, you know, and, and parents need to ask themselves, what's the purpose of this rule? Is it to protect the child physically? Is it to teach them lessons? What's the purpose of this rule? If we evaluate the purpose of the rule, we sometimes find out we have rules simply because our parents had rules. I remember in our family, one of the things, we, we had a rule that you couldn't sing at the table. And uh, our kids would continually want to sing at the table. And one day, Carolyn said to me, you know, what's wrong with singing at the table? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, my mama didn't let me sing it. She said, my mama didn't either. And we realized we had that rule because our parents had that rule. But my wife is a musician, you know, and I love music too. And music expresses the heart. So we thought, well, maybe we shouldn't have that rule. Maybe it's okay for children to sing at the table as long as they don't have food in their mouth. <laughs> it's okay to sing, but don't sing with food yeah. in your mouth. Yeah, you and know. you know, that's, that is such a great, great insight. <laughs> now, you know, many young adults these days are suffering from a lack of connection with their dads. It's, it yeah. seems like it's just an epidemic stages. And I want you to talk about what you call the father hunger and how it can affect us, even in our adult years. Yeah. You know, Jim, I think that's exactly right. My son, for a number of years, uh, worked with uh, kids on the street in San Francisco. He lived in a home church, and he worked with kids on the street while he was going to seminary. And he said to me one time, Dad, I've never met a kid on the street who had a good relationship with their father. 
Uh, and I think you're exactly right. It's all over the country. I had a young lady in my office just uh, not long ago, 35 years old, dental assistant, you know, wonderful profession, and yet broken inside because no relationship with her father, never had a relationship with her father. And with so many divorces today and, and husbands and wives, you know, moving out of town, that sort of thing, we've got more and more of this. The reality is in a healthy family, husbands are loving leaders, which has implications for the marriage to be sure. He's looking out for his wife's interest as Christ looked out for the church's interest. But it has tremendous implications in parenting. He's to be the leader there, a loving leader as well, which means, among other things, that he makes time for the children. A loving leader will make time for the children. You know, that's a wonderful thing about God is he's always available to us. Our fathers are not always available to their children. So it's making time for them. It's engaging them in conversation. So the children have the sense dad's interested in me. I remember the 14-year-old the kid who said to me, you know, uh, I'd been counseling with him for a little while because he was having a lot of struggles. And his, he and his dad had gone to a baseball game. And so I asked him, how'd the game go? He said, oh, it was a great game, you know, da-da-da-da. But in the course of the, of the counseling, he said, uh, you know, at the ball game, all Dad talked about was the ball game. He said, he didn't ask me anything about myself. So here's a kid that was really sitting there lonely with his father, right beside of his father, watching a ball game, but feeling alone. And so uh, when fathers don't engage their children in conversation, Doing things with them is fine, but as you do things, there needs to be some conversation. Bringing out from the child their thoughts, their feelings, their desires, their frustrations, and empathizing with right. that. You know, I have a friend who, who uh, he's a Harvard MBA and incredible brilliant, and he said every time he was with his kids, he had, you know, a, a, an agenda, and he pulled it out. <laughs> so here's Angela's agenda, here's whatever. And I said, well, you know what? Sometimes just hang out with them. I mean, these were teenagers. Yeah. They just hang out and they just talk about nothing. I know right. that's hard for him to do. He, this guy you know, has an agenda. And he said, you know, he had a conversation with his daughter and they just talked about snowboarding or, you know, whatever yeah. it was. And later she said, Daddy, thank you so much for just spending time with me. Mm. This was one of our best times. Well, he still had an agenda and he didn't yeah. get to cover it. But what he did was he just, you know, he built this relationship. I believe what you're saying. And I understand the father hunger. And I think it's so important for loving dads being loving dads and loving husbands. But we also put a knife in some mom uh, out there because she's not married to her husband anymore. Yes. He's a deadbeat dad. He's gone. Oh. And at least 50% of kids will live without their biological father in the home by the time they're 18. And so there was a, there's, there's a knife. I mean, he's oh. just not there. What do you say to that? Because the father hunger isn't going to go away. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think what we have to do is to try to compliment for that. It may be a grandfather. It may be an uncle. If, if you have relatives who live in the home where the mother, single mom actually says to the uncle or to the grandfather, you know, here's the situation. You know it as well as I do. Would you be willing to spend some time with, with my son? Uh, or it may be a person in the church if you don't have any family. This is what the church is all about. You know, we are family. And so finding a man who maybe has a son about the same age as your son who'd be willing to take him with them when he does things with his child. Uh, it's not the same as having a father, but it does help for that child to have an older, you know, man who serves the father role. And then the other thing I would say is, Whatever you can do as a single mom to try to build a positive relationship with your ex-spouse, it's worth the effort. I know maybe you know you, you, <laughs> you just have all negative feelings about him, but 
if he's not abusive to the child, you know, and he's not on drugs or whatever, it's still better to try to build some kind of relationship with him so that he can in turn have some kind of relationship with his son. Yeah, and that makes so, so much sense. Now, we're talking about healthy families yes. here, and, and your book is a great book about that subject and how to become even more healthy in, in it. And yet at the same time, there may be a listener or two or 100,000 of them who are kind of overwhelmed by this conversation because that's not their home. What's a good first step for them to put these principles into practice and really begin creating the family that they've always wanted? Well, I think, Jim, first of all, we've got to get a picture in our mind of what the healthy family looks like. And that's really the heart of this book. Uh, You know, we've heard so much about dysfunctional families that almost everybody thinks they grew up in one. And, And so if you focus on dysfunctional families, you're likely to have one. And what I'm trying to say in this book is, why don't we look at a healthy family? Let's just get a a fresh look at what a healthy family looks like. If you have it in the front of the mind, this is the family I'm working toward, uh, then at least you're moving in the right direction. And little steps uh, can make a huge difference over a long period of time. So I'm just encouraging people to uh, not be overwhelmed with all of this, but simply one step at a time, look at these five areas. The book is just filled with ideas, you know, on how to build these five things into your marriage and family. So every month you're kind of focusing on something in some of these areas and together. And eventually you wake up and realize, hey, we've got a pretty healthy family. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your practical advice. Thank you for great insight. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Great to be with you. Creating the family you've always wanted has been our theme today on Homeward. And as we conclude today's program, I want to talk to you about an area of parenting that is very important to me. It's one I talk about all the time. It's called the power of being there. Today, I want to talk about my grandma, Nini. And actually, Nini would be 109 years old today if she was still alive. One of the most influential people in my life. Interesting lady, not necessarily the strongest of Christians, but she understood the power of being there. Every Saturday when I was a little kid, Nini would show up. And I'd come running out, and even as an adult, I think I did this, I'd come running out, and she'd open the back of her car, and she would pull out little gifts, and it might be a half a stick of gum, believe it or not. Instead of just a whole stick of gum, she'd give me a half a stick. She didn't have a lot of money. Sometimes it would be socks or something that somebody had given her, and they were always funny gifts. And yet at Christmas, she was the one who seemed to be more generous than others, and I never knew where she got her money. But, you know, the power of being there, Nini just practiced that so, so much. When my daughter Heidi was born, she was born with a major heart complication. We flew from Orange County, California to Boston, where she was the 100th baby in the world to have this very special surgery on her heart. Today, by the way, she does great. But one of my prayers when I was back there, and Kathy and I were back there for three weeks as Heidi was kind of getting it all together and had this major surgery, was that Nini would stay alive so that she could hold our Heidi. I wanted a picture of, of Nini holding Heidi, and she was getting pretty old, and she began to develop Alzheimer's, and it wasn't a good situation at all. Well, we made it. We made it back, and there was Nini at the party, which we probably would have had right after the baby was born, but we would had to wait now about a month. And she was sitting there, and we were going to go into the, another room to open up some presents. It was kind of a family shower, if you would. And I heard Nini say to my brother Bill as he was trying to get her off the couch, well, why am I here? And who's baby is it? And she just was so confused and she didn't understand it. And then she said, well, I'm not going in there because I didn't get a present for them. And I walked over to my grandma, one of my heroes, and I said, Nini, we don't want a present from you. Your presence makes a difference. And just the gift that you have of being here and the gift of being my grandma. And I helped her, picked her up and kind of moved her into the other room. And, you know, it was a beautiful time because we had taken a picture with Heidi and there was Nini. She kind of had a goofy look. We still have that picture. But I thought to myself, you know, I didn't want Nini's money. 
what I craved for was her presence. And what I find with kids is that it's not all the other stuff. And sure, they want it. But what they crave more than anything else is your presence. Your presence matters whether you're a grandma, whether you're a mom or a dad. When the kids are a little bit older, they're not going to act like they want that but they still do. And I want to encourage you today, if you want to be the family that you've always wanted, then start with you and be present in your kid's life. We call it the power of being there because children regard your very presence as a sign of caring connectedness. Now, I was not a child at the time, but the presence of Nini in my life made a difference. Amen, Jim. What a great story and a great way for us to conclude today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Remember that all of our programs are archived at Homeward.com. If you'd like the audio CD of this broadcast, just include a gift of any amount when you write to Homeward. Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, where the swallows go. The zip code 92693. Also, resources. Dr. Jim Byrne has, has written some great books on parenting. Confident Parenting is one of them. Also, Teenology, the art of Raising Great Teenagers. Both of those books and many others are available for purchase in our online resource center, and you can access that very easily when you go to homeword.com, and you can also support us financially through our online resource center as well. We are completely listener-supported, and we appreciate your prayers and faithful financial support, so if you can include a tax-deductible donation of 50 or 100 or even 3 or $400 or more, we would love to hear from you today. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward, where parents get real answers. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.